Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Well, it's good to see you guys today. I am so excited about having Bethany on staff. It's just so great being part of her team. So, hey, I'm tucked in today. So, I... Look at me, tucked in. I'm just going to say, Clay doesn't like it. He's mentioned it a couple times. I think I'm causing him to stumble. I think that's what it is. It's like he sees me tucked in, and he's like, gets jittery, you know, so I don't know. Too much, too far? By the way, he is going to be in the tank today, so he's going to be in the dunk tank, so if he's not, you guys need to tell him he should be. So it's great to see you guys here today. 24 years ago, I joined the Vineyard staff right out of seminary. Now, back in the days, we were in the Crescentville building. Anyone remember the Crescentville building? We had like 92 services on a weekend. I mean, like literally, literally, there were like seven, you know, two on Saturday night and five on Sunday morning. And uh, one of my first talks, I got up on Saturday night, and Alan Fuller, who's the program director, celebration director, after he prayed, didn't walk off, and they're pulling a joke on me. And he said, um, you guys may not know it, but Matt loves to work hard on his sermons and prepare really hard. So we put a surveillance camera in his house to watch him prepare. And I'm thinking, where is he going with this joke? Now, I have an identical twin brother. And we like to say, I like to say he's the best looking man I know. And so uh, my brother and his wife had been in town for one weekend for like a two hour span. They whisked him away without me knowing it. And they filmed the video I'm about to show. So it's, it's my brother, Mike. It is not me. And it looks surveillance. And I remember seeing it in the first five seconds of watching this video. I'm thinking, when did they get me on video? <laughs> I literally believed it about myself. So I went down memory lane with this. So let's watch this video of me preparing a sermon. My brother imitating me preparing a sermon 24 years ago. Watch this. Hey, man, what's going on? Asleep? Oh, no, 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 no. I was praying. I was reading through uh, Romans um, 11, 26. Yeah, have you, have you read that? <sighs> oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that noise? No, no, the do- Ripley? I gotta run, Dave. Thanks, bye. Yes, Ripley, my little schmuckum. No one has to know you're not a Labrador. That's pretty good. Draw me close to you. Princess, is Paul in the Old Testament or the New? Yeah, princess. Glamour shots called. Your pictures are ready. Hey, Matt, how's your talk coming? Fine, fine. It's good, good, real good. Cam, honey, princess, come here just for a minute. I want to show you what I got. Welcome to Vineyard. Tonight I want to talk about Romans 11.26. 
That's all you've got. Yeah, yeah. I can add live from there. I can get the rest. You've been working on this all day, and that's all you have? This is the last time I do your message for you, and you take credit for it. That's this is I, good. That's it. No this more. is really good. This is good. You want to go to a movie? we got time for a movie now. i got to wait for my nails to dry. My nails are still wet. So I don't know. Hey, honey, come on. Oh, that's great. By the way, my wife wanted me to let you know she was wearing overalls because those were the style, and she was six months pregnant with our first baby at the time. So, memory lane. And as I watched that and we laughed, I had what I call, what we call around here, a Kairos moment. A moment where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And the Kairos moment I had the, as I was watching this, mo- this video from 24 years ago is, if I could go back to my 33-year-old self, what would I tell me? Ever had one of those moments where you think, if I only knew then what I know now, or if I knew then who I wanted to be or who I should be, what would I do differently then to be prepared to be the person I am now or into the future? If you're here today and you're in high school or college, those older of us say to you things like that, oh man, just know this. But it doesn't stop. We, we all want to be people that have an impact. And the reason why we, and because we want to be an impact, it means we, we look back and go, man, I wish I knew that then so that I would be this now. Anyone ever feel that? Anyone here not want to have an impact in your life? I don't see no hands. Every one of us in this room wants to be an impact. Raise your hand if you want to be an impact. We all want to be an impact. And a lot of us don't feel like we can be an impact, but God has unleashed us to be an impact. He's invited us to more. And the reason why I say he's unleashed us to be an impact, because he's not unleashed us to do an impact, but be. We are human beings, not human doings. And we understand who we're called to be, then we will do. And God has invited us to be so much more. And I don't care what stage of life you're in, you can still lean in to be who God has called you to be. There's an exercise that was quite famous many years ago that I did when I was a young man from the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And it's one of the highest sold leadership books in history. And these seven habits that help you be the person that you want to be, things like like, like uh, seek first to understand before being understood. Be proactive, not reactive. Sharpen the saw, take time. But the most famous one, the first one, it sets the tone for all of them, and it's called begin with the end in mind. It's the exercise where you cause yourself to pause and be still and imagine walking into a funeral parlor, and you walk up to the casket, and you're in the casket. And then five people get up to speak. People you know, spouse, close friends, family members, workmates, and what do they say? And if what they say doesn't match who you want to be, you got to go back here and start changing who you are now so that those, and it's not, it's not about self-glorification, but it's about, wow, I want to be the kind of person that they say the things that reflect that I've been an impact in my world. It's a sobering exercise because we all want to be an impact. So what we're going to talk about today is how to be an impact. I'm going to talk about five 
be statements that help us be the kind of people that I believe God has unleashed us to be in our world. And if we be these five things, we will have an impact. And they're, no, they're not do things, they're be things. And with each one of these, I'm going to give us a habit that we can do to cultivate the be statements. And where we're going to find these be statements is from the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. And Paul is leaving the church in Ephesus, and he's cultivated his church, he's lived with them for years, loved them, invited them to the relationship with Jesus, and he's leaving them to never see them again. It's his last time to see them, and he's saying, look, I implore you, I beg you, be about these things. These are the things that matter most. So as I read this long chunk of scripture, imagine you're sitting with Paul, you're his friend, you're his son or daughter in the faith, and he's imploring you, please get these things right. So let's hear this. Apostle Paul writes, when the elders arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived with you the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I told you the truth at all times. I have had one message for Jews that didn't know Jesus and for Greek Gentiles who didn't know Jesus. For every, I've had one message. The message is the necessity of repenting, turning from old ways and turning to Jesus, turning from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, not compelled by my own thinking, not compelled by my own ways, but compelled by the Holy Spirit in me, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Hardships are coming, but I'm still going. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. He's not saying he's worthless, but compared to knowing Christ, it's worth nothing to me. My only aim in this life is to finish the race God has called me to and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is that task? The task of testifying to the gospel, the good news of God's amazing grace. And now, I know that none of you to whom I preach the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I've been faithful. Faithful is such a good word. I've stayed the course of you. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. I've shared with you everything I can. I've given you all I got. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, the whole scripture. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church. Which he brought, which, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves, not literal wolves of people, are gonna come and they're gonna try to take away the flock. They're not gonna spare the flock. They're out of taking people away from Jesus. Even from your own number, people will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember, that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night 
and day with tears. You can just see him. I'm imploring you, stay with Jesus. Now I commit you to God and to the word, the gospel of his grace, which can build you up and give you a true inheritance among all those who are sanctified, being changed by Jesus. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. I didn't do this for money. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs. Not because I didn't have needs, but I, I came in and worked. And the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, love the poor, love those in need, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And with that, when he finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. Let's pray, would you? Let's bow your heads. Heavenly Father, right now as I share the thoughts from this passage, move our hearts, spur us on to more, help us see these things you want us to be so that we leave an impact in this world. In your name, amen. I think there's five things Paul says here, some overt, some not overt, but he has five things he says to be. Be humble, be committed to the gospel of grace, be compelled by Holy Spirit, be a shepherd, and be generous. I'm gonna talk about each one of these one at a time and then share a habit and I say habit better than goals because if we set a goal, sometimes we don't do it, but if we set a habit, we'll end up towards where we want to go. But the first one, he says, be humble. And when I used to hear the word humble as a young believer, I used to think that sounded weak. Humble sounded passive. It sounded kind of like, you know, moopy. I'm not even sure what moopy is, but it's kind of like, Meh. But humble is actually a powerful word. It's not a weak word at all. It's not about going low. But it's about lifting God high. This is not about self-flagellation. I didn't say self-flagellation. Self-flagellation or self-deprecation, but it's about God-glorification. It's about lifting God up. It's not about uh, true biblical humility. It's not about low self-esteem, but it's about high God-esteem. Don't put yourself down. You're in God's image. But it's understanding who I am in relationship to him, knowing I need him. He's the created. I'm the creator. I like to find a humility. It means to surrender all that I am to the great I am. God's name is so great, it's just I am. When, 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 when Moses said, who should I tell them sent me? God said, tell them I am. I was, I am, I always will be. Worthy of it all. And so, Understanding that God's the majestic, all-powerful God changes us. Uh, scientists have said that true humility is when someone has an accurate assessment of both his or her strengths and weaknesses. The humble know they aren't the center of the universe. And they're both grounded and liberated by this knowledge, recognizing, that our, recognizing our abilities and asking, how can I then contribute and recognizing our flaws and then saying, how can I grow? God, help me grow. Biblical humility understands God's the one that helps us grow and gives us life. And science shows that truly humble people are the most confident people and they're the best leaders. I love Teddy Roosevelt. He's one of my favorite presidents. He was this macho guy, but he was actually quite humble. And he was known to walk on the back veranda of the White House when they were having a party. And at night, 
he would walk in while people were talking and milling about, and he'd just stand and look up at the stars. And eventually, because he was the president, they'd all notice he was looking at the stars, and they'd all look up as well, and they'd go quiet. And after a long few minutes, he would say, now we all know how small we are and how big God is. Let's go to bed. What if we all had that attitude to know I'm not God? Humility is understanding I'm not the center of the universe. I carry a card with me. I've carried it for years. On one side, it says I'm an image bearer of the almighty God. I'm in his image. I'm powerful. I matter. I have purpose. But on the other side, it says I'm not the center of the universe. The world does not revolve around me. All humanity is precious to God, not just me. It's this understanding of both, I'm small, he's big, and he makes me mighty and gives me authority. That's true biblical humility. So what's the habit? Give glory to God. Every day, carve out space to give glory to God. When you get in your car and spend some worship just saying, I'm not God, he is. Create the habit of giving glory to God. Here's the second one. The second one is be committed to the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace is and should be our primary focus at all times. The gospel of grace is the primary commitment of our lives. It's not the commitment of good works. It's not the commitment of, of, of even theology. It's the commitment to the gospel of grace. Three times Paul says, guys, men and women, be committed to the gospel of grace. What this means is I, I live committed to the understanding that Jesus lived. He died. He lived a perfect life, died a horrific death, and rose powerfully to set me free from my sin and give me grace. Each one of us is equally evil. We, we stand equally evil in the sight of God until we admit our need and receive his grace. When I understand this, I understand I'm no more deserving of grace than a rapist. I'm no more deserving of grace than, than Hitler or some horrific mass murderer, we all stand equally depraved, and God equally loves. Grace means it's God's unmerited favor that we do not deserve, we cannot earn, that he set us free from our sin by his resurrection. And he says, because of grace, I'll never love you any less than I love you right now, and I'll never love you anymore. My love for you is perfect and complete at all times. And when I live committed to the gospel of grace, I live with perspective that that's what I need most. And there's no room for judgment when you're a person of grace, right? You don't walk around and go, can't believe they do that. Oh man, would you look at him? No, you walk around and go, oh, but for the grace of God, go I. Help me love that person the way you've loved me. There's nothing more powerful and impactful than grace. Don't you guys just love the word amazing grace? I could go into any stadium or any building in America right now and just start saying, amazing how the that a wretch like me, I was, sing it, come on, but I'm found, was 
goodness. All over the world, people know that song because we crave it. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that song was written by a slave trader. That while trading slaves, he was so convicted of his sin and saw how wrong that racist behavior was, he repented and spent the rest of his days following Jesus and trying to set slavery free. He was on the cutting edge of the abolition movement. That's the power of grace. So what's the habit? Confess and repent. Regularly confess and repent. Notice, as Clay talked to people, we don't ask for forgiveness. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you don't need to ask forgiveness anymore. You're already forgiven. But we confess regularly our need and repent. Turn from looking my way and turn towards him. That's the habit. Third, be compelled by the Holy Spirit. This means daily putting ourselves in a posture of trying to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Christ in me, the hope of glory, and then go do what the Holy Spirit says. The picture you get is of being a sailboat, living like a sailboat rather than a motorboat. A motorboat is like me being in charge. I got the engine. But a sailboat is, I'm throwing up the sails. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, guide me. Every day, get in the car and go, Holy Spirit, tell me who to talk to. Give me thoughts on who to pray for. Give me thoughts on who to love. Now, this doesn't mean we don't go to work. If you hear the Holy Spirit say, blow off work today. That's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Right? The Holy Spirit calls you to do things. That's why we call it naturally supernatural. Do your natural day while having an ear to the ground, having an ear to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I know it can sound mystical, but if you live humble and you live committed to the gospel of grace, this becomes way easier. And and, and again, I've never heard an audible voice. If if, if I did hear an audible voice, I, I wish he would sound like Morgan Freeman or Denzel Washington, right? Just be sound really cool, but I've never heard an audible voice. But, but I just live my life trying to be in tune. And when you do that, by the way, you live a greater adventure. It's just fun. Like asking God for prompts to text people. Asking at work, pray behind people's backs. Instead of talking behind people's backs, let's pray behind people's backs. Right? And let's, when you feel tempted to gossip or talk, to pray for them. Oh, God bless them. Right? Invite Holy Spirit. And again, don't over-spiritualize it. It's naturally supernatural. Right? We all have a tendency to over-spiritual things. The Lord told me. The Lord told me. Ah, no, nah, that was you. I think that was pretty much. The Lord told me to go to Hawaii. No, you want to go to Hawaii. That's okay. And we've all done it, right? Just, I mean, just, just last week, I've been drinking lots of water. Like my, my, da- my, my daughter's a nutritionist, and she's always telling me I need to drink more water. I, I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I hate water. You know, the creation of water, I hate it. You know, but I've been, I've been drinking lots of water, these three 32-ounce jars a day, and I've been putting that Mio in it. You know that Mio stuff? Gives a little flavor, so it makes God's gift of water taste better. And, uh, and, and last Sunday, I started a new one. I've got, bought like eight of these things, and Sunday night, three in the morning, I'm wide awake. It's like I got two picks on my eyes. I'm laying there. I'm like, God, I can't. I love to sleep. I'm like, I'm wide awake. I'm like, all right, Lord, Holy Spirit, maybe you're trying to talk to me. I get out of bed and get on my knees, and I can't sleep. I finally get up and just get coffee and go about my day, and I'm dying all day. That night, Monday night, same thing. Wake up at four in the morning. I am wide awake. I'm dying. Get up. All right, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. And I can't even pray because I can't even focus. And I'm trying to pray, and I get up and put more Mio into my thing. And I look, it says Mio Energy. And my daughter's like, you just put like eight cups of coffee a day in your system. So don't over-spiritualize it. That was just, 
bad pizza, all right? All right. But try to be lived, compelled by the Holy Spirit. Here, so here's the habit. Habit. Ask Holy Spirit to empower us every day. Right when you give glory to God, confess and repent, and say, Holy Spirit, empower me. Empower me as I go about my day. Third, or fourth, be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. Now, I know this sounds like a, a, an outdated word. You know, we don't have sheep in our world, in America mostly, but a shepherd is a biblical term for be a discipler, a discipler of others. We are all invited. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you are a disciple and you're called to be a discipler. This is not for special people. Every one of you in this room is a priest or a priestess. We believe in the priesthood of all, but every one of you in this room is a pastor. If I said, who here is a pastor? I'll do it. Who here is a pastor? Raise your hand. Okay, do it again. Everyone in the room. Who here is a pastor? Exactly. It's not for, not for just paid professionals. Every one of you in this room is a pastor. We're all called, invited to shepherd people. I don't care what age or stage you're in. Jump in to invite others. And when you do, your life will thrive. You will get more excited as you do it. Every time I'm feeling kind of down and I spend time with a, a young dude that's growing in his faith and it's iron sharpens iron, I leave pumped up. I leave with a greater perspective of why I'm here and the purpose of iron sharpening iron. So what we call that around here, we call it friendship with a vision. Friendship with a vision, a habit. Get in a friendship with a vision. Invite someone for coffee and say, let's get together and talk about the spiritual journey. You don't need to know everything. A lot of us think, I need to know more. No, you don't need to know more. Be available. Be available. Last one, be generous. Be generous. Be people that give. This last one, I think generosity might be the number one demonstration manifestation of the gospel. It's, it's, it's the one, it's not the number one, there's a lot, but, but it's the one, the world, when they see generosity, they, they tilt their head and go, holy cow, why would they do that? It is a great, beautiful manifestation of the gospel. When we understand that Jesus lived, died, and generously rose again to set us free from our sin, we can't help but be generous people. We can't help it. And, 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 and Paul says, when you do, it's more blessed to give than receive. Can I get an amen on that? Like when you give, you, something happens to you. It, I mean, I, look, I love to receive. I'll receive the rest of my life. I, I can't wait, you know. But it's more fun, more joyful to give. Something unlocks in you. So what's the challenge? What's the habit? Give. It's quite simple. Give. Decide to start giving money. Decide to start tithing. Look, God gave you everything you have. It's all yours. It's not that much to ask to start giving 10% back. It's all his. It's not 10% his. It's 100% his. Give. And money is the number one competitor for our hearts. And again, I honestly, I honestly don't care if you don't give 10% here. I think we're doing an amazing thing. You should participate in giving here. But be a person that sets aside money each month to say, I'm going to serve others with this, and your heart will be unlocked. Give with your words of encouragement. You win. You'll be blessed when you start to bless others. He, Genesis chapter 12, we have been blessed to be a blessing, and all the world is supposed to be blessed through us Christians. This is how we're going to change the world. You want to be an impact? Be these five things. You want to be an impact? Live your life being humble. Live your life daily being committed to the gospel of grace. Live your life being compelled by Holy Spirit. 
be a shepherd inviting others into coffee to grow spiritually. Be generous. Your life will change and the world around you will change. I'm going to say something harsh, but true. Ready? Every one of you is going to die. I'm going to die. We don't have many days. I don't care if you've got, if you're 20, you don't have many days left. Your life is short. How do you use the years you've been given? Do you use it for you? Or do you use it to have an impact? Every one of us is going to die. I got a lot of juice left in my legs. I'm only 56. It's coming. And they're going to dig a hole eight feet deep, drop me in it, pour dirt on my face, and go back to the church and eat Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Unless it's a Sunday and daggone it, they're not open. That's a sin. <laughs> what will they talk about? What will they talk about when they're eating chicken nuggets? Oh, man. He sure worked on his physique a lot. Oh, he cared about what a great speaker he was. Oh, man, he had a great house. Yeah, that guy made a lot of money in his life. Lord, I hope not. When we were in my brother's hospital room in his last moments of life, we did not talk about cars and houses and boats and money. We talked about impact. We talked about how he was a humble man who loved his daughters more deeply into a relationship with Jesus. What will be said about you? What do you want to be said? You got to decide. You got to decide. Who do you want to be? I want us to be people. I have, a, I have a dream of us being people that are so humble, so committed to the gospel, so co compelled by the Spirit, such shepherds of others, so generous that the world around us wants to know the God we know. I want to do something maybe a little awkward for some of you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do this with, with several different groups. If you're 30 or under, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. 30 or under, please stand. Take a risk. Stand up. So 30 or under, I'm going to start with you guys. You're the future generation. Every revival in the history of mankind started with 30 and unders. Nothing against me, but revival doesn't start with a 56-year-old. Revival starts with the young who say, I'm in. You put a stake in the ground to say, I'm committed to following Jesus with all that I am. And it's hard. You got a long life left. There's lots of temptations. And the Holy Spirit's saying, stay with me. Stay with me. It's worth every second. Be faithful. Remember your creator. So I'm gonna invite you. Would you hold your hands out? I'm gonna pray for you guys. And those around you, extend a hand. Oh, Jesus, we pray for this next generation. We pray for these 30 unders. Let them be an impact wherever they are. Let them know that they have what it takes. Let them be convinced and committed to the fact that you are the true place where life is found. Amen. Be seated, please. Yeah. Now, if you're between 30 and 45, would you stand up? Between 30 and 45, would you stand up? between 30 and 45. You guys are still too young to do this. Oh, no. You're too young. But I do call you guys. Let's, let, me, let me say what I say to you, 30 and 45. You guys are the tired group. You're tired. 
You have little kids at home. You're like, oh, God, I barely made it to church this morning. Oh, God, I can't, church, I can't serve in kids' ministry because I hate my kids right now. Anyway, <laughs> you're just tired. You're just tired. You're in the middle of your career, and you're wondering, is this worth it? Is it working? Am I making a difference? Yes. Yes. Stay the course. So everyone extend a hand to them. Everyone extend a hand to them. Hold your hands out. Just receive, Lord, help this group know that they are an impact right now. That their discipleship of their children matters. But their number one discipleship is the discipleship of their kids. Help them to be humble people, committed to your spirit. When they feel like they don't have time to have a quiet time, let them know they've got margin. Restore to them the joy of their salvation. More, Lord. You can be seated. Yep. So with the 45 to 60s, please stand up. Now, you guys are allowed to groan when you stand up. Now, I call this group uh, the uh, broke group trying to recover your money. They're like, because your kids have tapped you out. You're like, ugh just trying to make something back now and you're but you're now wondering like has this worked I mean my kids are moving on has this worked oh my goodness like I'm trying to stay connected to them and 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 you're getting your retirement is close if not about to happen you're like what was that all about right and I want to say to you your life matters I want to say to you your life matters like like put your foot back on the gas some of you at this stage are going, I just, I've believed it for so long, or, or maybe I just learned it, and I've not learned it long enough, it took me too long to get here, and I made too many mistakes, and the Lord says, enough. Where you are right now, you're enough. I've made you enough. So would you open your hands, and I'm going to pray for you guys. Holy Spirit, I pray for a, a renewed, fresh vigor, a fresh vision for their future with you. Let them see the next stage with excitement and passion. More, Lord. More, Lord. They have what it takes. All right, you may be seated. All right, the last group. 60 and up, hop up. Come on. So I want to say to you guys, Here's what I want to say to you guys. I'm I'm only four years away from you guys. God ain't done with you yet. He is not done with you yet. I think one of the biggest travesties, one of the biggest wasted resources in the United States is people over 60 who just move to Florida and play golf all the time. Now, let me be clear. I'm looking for the day where I get to play a lot more golf. But do not drop out. The church needs you. The church needs you to be fathers and mothers in the faith. Stay humble. Stay the course. Stay compelled by the Holy Spirit. And mentor younger people. Go, go, don't be afraid. I don't know enough. I need, I need to listen to another Bethmore Bible study. No, you don't. You've heard enough Bethmore Bible studies. Go give it away. Give it away. Sit and listen and love well. Do good. Give it all away. So would you hold your hands out? 
Extend a hand. Younger, if you're near one of these, I want you to spot one. Don't you think about asking him out for coffee later? Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. There's more. There's more. Unleash him to more. Unleash him to more. Unleash him to more. You're not done with him yet. Break off the lies. Break off the lies that they, oh, I'm too broken. I made too many mistakes. No, no. More. More. Would you all stand? Let's spend the time remaining to worship, leaning into the, the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus is our rock and our salvation, our hope. As we want to be people that leave an impact, that we're humble people. We are people committed to your grace. We're compelled by your spirit. We are people committed to be a shepherd of the next generation, to be generous. Father, we need you. Jesus, thank you. Let's worship.
prayer teams down. Prayer teams, come on down. And uh, every week we uh, ask people in our body to pray and listen to the Lord to give us ministry words. We've got some ministry words on the slide, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. If any of these resonate with you, come down and get prayer. So just, or if you want to come down and get prayer because you, you want to have an impact, you feel like you can't, just come down and get prayer with that. If anything resonates, or you, want to, you want to have a greater impact, come get prayer. Or if you don't want to come down and get prayer, turn with the people you're with. Don't leave without saying, you know what? I just want to pray for you, or just invite someone to pray for you. Or if you see an older couple or a younger couple or an older person, younger person standing there, you want to say, I don't even know you. You want to pray together real quick? Just take the risk. Invite Holy Spirit to talk to us, to move and serve. Just receive and breathe life on each other. And then when you're ready, we got a party out back. Party out back. Clay's going to get the dunk tank. And uh, bless you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.